we learn more about God's Word. Whether you are new to the Bible or have been reading and studying it for years, you'll want to listen to today's Family Shield program. We'll talk about 10 questions we should ask every time we read the Bible. Why are questions so important? And how will asking these questions help us understand and personally connect to the Bible as we read it? My guest today is Reverend Andrew Jones. He's the author of 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible. He enjoys writing, hiking, and adventuring with his wife, Stephanie. He has served the church on three continents, including as a campus pastor, international mission work, professor of preaching, and today is a parish pastor in the San Francisco Bay Area. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Reverend Jones, for being my guest today. Thanks for having me, Kay. I appreciate it. All right. So why did you write this book? You know, when I was in seminary, I read this article by one of my professors, Dr. Paul Robbie. I was talking about recent graduates and how they were really strong on doctrinal topics, but when it came to books of the Bible, he was sensing that they were weaker than they had been in the past. And as I read through what he said, I noticed that it was just a critique, not only on my classmates, but it was a critique upon me. And I realized that I just did not know the Scriptures as well as I should, and so I sort of went on this journey of trying to figure out what is the best way to become more biblically fluent. And as I went on this journey myself, I just discovered that the easiest way for me to become more biblically fluent, aside from reading the Scriptures a lot, was to go on curiosity journeys, just ask questions and dig deeper. And that really helped my learning, it helped my understanding, and it helped my love of the Scriptures as well. And so I just wanted to share some of the, the questions that really helped me as I went on this journey of curiosity and biblical fluency, and the book came out of that, mm. and here we are today. Wonderful. Well, questions are very important. Uh, but answer that question for our listeners. Why should we ask questions? I think that we're curious people by nature, and if you ever spend time with, with kids, you, you see that they're just, they have this insatiable curiosity, right? They ask all these questions again and again and again, because they're so interested in the world. They're so filled with wonder. And as we grow up, I, I think we sometimes lose that sense of wonder and curiosity. And I think being curious is a really good thing, because for me, when I'm curious about something or someone, shows that I am interested in them. It shows that I love them. And if we keep asking questions, I think we'll find a real love for different things and a real love for different people. Curiosity is an act of love. And so I think as we keep asking questions, particularly about the Scriptures, it increases our love of the Scriptures and our love of who God is. Wonderful. Well, you explained that questions one through four are about the biblical text. Questions five through seven are about the context of the biblical passages. And questions eight through ten help us try to connect our Bible readings to our lived experiences. Share a little more about why you planned it this way and how that works. Sure. 
I really wanted the the book to sort of be structured from being zoomed in to zoomed out. And so the first few questions, we, we look at the text itself. We look at whatever verse or chapter of the Bible you're reading, and we just ask a few questions about the text itself. We look at what are the problems in the text, who is the enemy in the text. We look at how the enemy is conquered. And what we discover as we do that is that God is always the one conquering whatever enemy we're facing. Whether we're facing the enemy of, of sin or death or the devil, God is always the one acting to conquer the enemies for us. And as we keep going and keep asking questions, the most important question in the book is question four, which is, who are you, Lord? Mm-hmm. And that's really why we read the Scriptures, to discover who is God in this grand story of the Scriptures. Who is He? in the particular text we're reading, who is God? And we discover that He is so many things. He is our Redeemer, He is our Savior, He is our Rock, our Refuge, He is our Remedy. Hmm. And uh, as we stay in that zoomed-in spot of the text, we discover who God is. And then as we zoom out to the context, we discover all sorts of things about the particular Scripture we're reading. We might discover things about the geography we didn't know. We might discover connections before and after the, the reading that we're looking at. We might discover all sorts of things that we just didn't know. And as we look at context, it helps us become, it helps us become more biblically fluent because the Scriptures are not, you know, segments. We often read the Scriptures in segments, whether we're in church or doing devotions or Bible study on our own, but the Scriptures are a whole library of 66 different books, and as we look at the context, it helps us just place whatever text we're reading in the grander story of who God is and how much He loves us. Mm-hmm. And then as we move on to the final three questions, uh, one of the things that's important is to connect what we're reading to our own experiences in order to help us remember what we're reading in the Scriptures. So the more often that we ask ourselves questions about how the Scriptures connect to our experiences, the more likely we we are to remember what those Scriptures are and the impact that they had, not only in history, but also in our lives today. Well, let's talk a little bit about the first question, who is the enemy? Tell us more about what our listeners will learn as they delve into this question and why it's important. Yeah. Uh, it might be an odd place to start, uh, a book about the Bible starting with enemies, uh, but I think enemies are things that we all face in this world, and the three main enemies that Luther calls out in the small catechism are sin, death, and the devil. These three enemies face all of God's people throughout history. They show up very early in the Scriptures in Genesis 3, and they all work together against God and against God's people. So if we're able to identify the enemy, if we're able to identify the thing that is working against us, it allows us to see what we're up against, but it also allows us to see how God works for us and with us and through us even, but mostly for us when it comes to conquering the enemies, which gets us into question two. Right. And question two is, how is this enemy defeated? And share that. I know our listeners have heard some of this before, but there's never a time we shouldn't share how God defeated sin, 
death and the devil. Yeah, and I think as, you know, I'm a Lutheran pastor, and as Lutherans, we're really good at speaking about how God conquers sin. He does that through Jesus' death on the cross, forgiving our sins. And I think we're pretty good sometimes about talking about how God conquers death. He conquers it through Jesus' resurrection and our eventual resurrection from the dead and bringing us into eternal life. I think the one that we maybe struggle with the most is how does God defeat the devil? And as I spent time studying about this question, uh, what I discovered was that, that God's presence is the thing that defeats Satan's presence. Hmm. This presence of God shows up in different ways. Uh, clearly it shows up in Jesus' incarnation. Uh, he, is, he is with us and fights for us, defeats the devil for us. But ultimately it shows up in Jesus' return. You know, the devil still prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, the Apostle Peter tells us. And it is not until Jesus returns and casts down the devil forever that the devil will be totally and entirely defeated. And that is Jesus' presence with us. So whether that's through incarnation, through Jesus' promised presence with us today, or in his ultimate return, the way that the devil is defeated is always by Jesus, by, by him being present with us and fighting on our behalf against the devil. Certainly understand uh, that it's all about Jesus, and we want our listeners to know that too. It's so important that we know Jesus as our Savior and Lord. So I want to skip to question four then. You mentioned that, and that is, who are you, Lord? And you talk a little bit about Paul, uh, well, Saul, who became Paul, that's a great story. But uh, just tell our listeners a little more about that question and what you share. Yeah, who are you, Lord, is the question that, that Saul asks on, on the road to Damascus uh, when, when Jesus appears to him and, and, you know, as this blinding white light. And Paul, asks, Paul asks, who are you, Lord? And I think that's the question that we all keep asking in our lives. Who is God? Who are you, God? What are you up to in our lives? What are you up to in the Scriptures? And as we read any piece of the Scriptures, any part of the Scriptures, we discover so much about who God is. And it's important for us to ask this question because I think we sometimes become in danger of reducing who God is to our, our, favorite, our favorite metaphors, if you will. Mm-hmm. If you really love Jesus as Savior, you might only think of Jesus as Savior. And he is Savior, of course he is. But the scriptures are just never ending with different metaphors for who God is. He's not just the Savior, but he's also a liberator. He's also a shepherd. He's also the door. He's also, you can go on and on and on. There's just no end to these. And I think as we keep asking this question, we discover that our God is just more amazing and more wonderful than we ever thought before. Because you just never, ever run out of different ways that God reveals himself to be something to us. He's in this relationship to us that is so vast and complicated and beautiful that you can spend a lot of time asking this question, who are you, Lord, and coming up with more and more answers. Yes. Who he is, 
how much he loves us. Well, tell us just a little bit about Saul when he encountered the risen Lord Jesus. Yeah, so Saul had been a, a persecutor of the church. Um, in Acts chapter 6, we see Saul as the one who is standing over the execution of Stephen the deacon. Saul is there, and he's the one who's essentially approving that people stone Stephen to death. And then just a couple chapters later, after Stephen's death, we see Saul going to persecute more Christians, going to arrest them in Damascus, and Jesus stops him. Jesus stops him on the road, and he speaks to him and asks him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus identifies himself with the Christians who are being persecuted, and Saul is stopped in his tracks. And uh, later after that, um, God sends one of his messengers, a man named Ananias, to, to find Saul, to baptize him, to begin to teach him. And there's this amazing transformation that occurs in Saul's life, where he goes from persecutor of the Church the one who is defending Jesus and trying to prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the, the Anointed One, the long-promised King of Israel. And so asking, who are you, Lord, in that particular chapter of Acts chapter 9 is a really interesting question, because God turns out to be one who transforms even the most unlikely of people into his servants. Mm-hmm. Not certainly what he does with with Saul. Who became Paul? What a wonderful story! <laughs> I need to uh, share some announcements. Family Shield Ministries cares about families growing in Christ and equips them to witness to each other and to the world. The Family Shield radio program is aired on more than 50 stations throughout the United States, and our podcast is heard on many podcast platforms. We also coordinate the Family Shield Counter-Cult Ministry and other educational and evangelism services. This now includes Faith Family Reunion that serves parents with prodigals, those who have adult children that grew up in the faith but have left the faith. We recently merged with Faith Family Reunion. Family Shield Ministries is a self-supporting and a listener-funded ministry. We depend upon your support, generosity, and sacrifice to allow us to share the gospel with those who do not yet know him and equip Christians to serve and witness. Family Shield is self-governing and self-supporting. Please pray for us, mail a donation, or give a one-time gift or a monthly gift at our website, www.familyshieldministries.org. Now I want to go back to continue talking with Reverend Andrew Jones about his book, 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible. But before we go back to our discussion, can you tell our listeners where they can get a copy of your book? Sure. Uh, the easiest place to get a copy would be from cph.org slash 10 questions. You can find it there. It's also available on Amazon. And if you're an audiobook listener, you can get it via the Audible app, as well as on probably your library probably has an audiobook service as well. 
so you can check that out as well. Lots of places you can find the book. Great. That's great. I could see uh, your book, especially as you've gone through this and then toward the end, uh, using these 10 questions to study a book of the Bible or a section of the Bible. Being a Bible study, do people use it as a Bible study? Yeah, there are quite a few uh, pastors and Bible study leaders who have used it in that way, and some of them have approached it in different ways. Uh, I know some of my colleagues have used it as like a 10-part series where they just use uh, one question each week Mm -hmm. uh, to go through it. Mm -hmm. That that seems to have worked. Um, Some other colleagues have sort of put it in chunks a little bit more. Some of the questions are dealt with together a little more easily, and so they, they'll spend a few weeks on the first four questions and a few weeks on the next three and a few weeks on the last three, uh, just dividing it up a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, plenty of people have been using it in, in that fashion. I think it would be great. Just lots of stuff in there, and it's hard to, to get it all out here in or a little half hour. But uh, So let's jump to question six. How did we get here? What will our listeners find in that section? Yeah, one of the the challenges about our world today is that the scriptures sometimes get segmented. And what I mean by that is you you probably have a favorite Bible verse, but there's certainly something that came before that Bible verse. And so in asking how did we get here, it allows us to not take the scriptures out of context, but it allows us to read them in the way that they were intended to be read, because they're meant to be read as entire books, as mm-hmm. entire letters. Mm-hmm. And so if you just read one verse, you're not going to get the whole picture. And so asking how did we get here allows us to see what is the lead up to this moment where God reveals himself in this verse. How did we get here? What are we going to discover by looking what came before? It's just a way of zooming out a little bit and seeing the context. That's good. Um, So there's so many more. What happens next? What have I experienced that connects to this? What am I feeling? And then where have I heard this before? Maybe we should uh, talk about that a little bit. Is that the 10th question already? Yeah. Oh, that's the last question. I know that's important. And then we'll have maybe time to talk a little bit about Galatians 1 and how these would work, because I really enjoyed that. Um, So where have I heard this before? What do you mean by that question? And what can we learn by finding connections? Yeah. So whenever I ask where have I heard this before, I'm sort of looking in two directions. The first place I'm looking is where else in the Bible have I heard something similar to what I'm reading at the moment? So if you're reading through, let's say, Psalm 23, you're reading, The Lord is my shepherd, and you ask yourself, where have I heard this before? You're familiar with Psalm 23, probably, but what are the other places in the Scriptures where God talks about himself as a shepherd? Mm. And if you ask yourself that question, you might be drawn to different places. Uh, You might be drawn to Jesus' words in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. And so you might go and, you know, type that into a little internet search or use your concordance in your Bible and go find, where does Jesus talk about being a shepherd? And you go look that up and see what are the connections between John 10 and Psalm 23. And you might look at all sorts of different places where God speaks of himself as a shepherd, and it might enrich 
Psalm 23 a little bit more and know what Jesus says about himself as the Good Shepherd when you read Psalm 23 again. The other question that I ask with this, um, you know, where have I heard this before? It's not just in the scriptures, but it's also in the rest of life. Uh, maybe you've seen a, a film or a TV show or read a book recently or seen a piece of art that reminds you of this particular verse or chapter that you're reading. And so if I'm reading Psalm 23 and I ask myself, where have I heard this before? Where have I seen this before? My mind, just in this moment, immediately goes to my uh, Sunday school back in Minnesota at St. John's Lutheran Church in Atwater, Minnesota. The Sunday school always met in the basement, and I remember there being this picture of Jesus on the wall where he had a sheep over his shoulders. Like, that's where I'd seen this before, you know? That's my memory, back to those Sunday school days. Mm-hmm. And so as we ask that question, where have I heard this before? Where have I seen this before? We're just drawn into these, this exercise of memory, this exercise of making connections, not only within the Scriptures, but also into our daily lives and our lived experiences to help us remember the Scriptures that we're reading, help us really hold on to the Bible a little bit more closely as we connect it to our own lives. Very good. So much more we could get in each of these questions. I don't know if we have time to putting it into practice, but I was hoping we would have just a little bit of time, maybe not to. One of your practice verses was Galatians 1, and I really like that because of our countercult ministry. It talk, I think it's Paul talking about people that are teaching a false Christ or a false gospel to his people, and I think he's warning them. Can you just kind of summarize a little bit about Galatians and then uh, explain to our listeners how they would put these 10 questions into practice for just that chapter? And we won't have time to go into depth, I know that. But uh, just a couple examples so people get how they use this with an actual chapter of the Bible or verse of the Bible. Sure. So uh, the letter of Galatians is written by Paul, and you see, if you read through the whole book all at once. It'll only take you 10-15 minutes. It won't take that long. But you'll begin to see that there are some people who have come to the region of Galatia, which is in modern-day Turkey, and they have been proclaiming something other than what Paul had previously proclaimed. Paul had planted all of these different churches in this region prior to this, and you can read about that in the book of Acts. But someone has come in and proclaimed something other than Jesus, has added on to the gospel of Jesus Christ dying and rising for us. Essentially what we learn as we keep reading through the book is that what they have been preaching against Paul is that people have to keep the Jewish law in order to be Christian, Uh have to continue on being Jewish in order to be Christian. And in doing so they are not living in the freedom of the gospel. They're not living in the freedom of of Christ. They're finding their identity in something other than Jesus. They're finding their identity in doing the Jewish customs of the law. And Paul is not okay with this. So Paul is trying to persuade them back to the gospel, to Christ crucified and risen and nothing else. And so... In the book, the, the, the final few 
pages of the book are just practices, and Galatians 1 is one of the, the practices where you go through and ask all ten questions of this particular chapter. And as you do that, you just begin to unveil little by little sort of what's going on and helping you understand some of these things. And so I think for, for Galatians 1, the enemy is, is clearly Satan, in my opinion. Uh, Satan is the one who tries to lie to God's people, and that they mm-hmm. have clearly believed the lie. And so the only thing that's going to overcome Satan's lies is the truth of Jesus, and so that's what Paul is trying to point them to. Um, who is God in, in throughout the book of Galatians? God is a lot of things uh, throughout the book of Galatians, but I think more than anything, he, he is freedom. God is freedom. Him, like free in Christ, free from yeah. our, oh, the good works that um, they were telling them they had to do. Yeah, we're, we're freed from the, the, the chains and the burdens of, of the law. Mm-hmm. Not that the law is bad, but it is not something that we have to carry around anymore because Jesus has fulfilled the law for mm-hmm. us. There's no longer a burden placed upon us. We are free in Jesus' grace. And there's a lot of things in that particular uh, practice about the geography that I find particularly interesting. And then I think the the thing, though, that will help, hopefully, your listeners is to just think through, okay, what are the things in my life of faith that I am in danger of adding to the gospel? What are the things that I have made necessary in my walk of faith that aren't necessary? What have I added to the gospel? And we see different... um, You spoke before about one of your ministries being to uh, families that have that deal with Mormons and Mm -hmm. witnesses, Mm -hmm. and they add things to the gospel. That's right. And in doing so, uh, we, we sort of lose the freedom of the gospel with those groups. You know, they they don't proclaim Christ crucified and risen. They proclaim right. a different gospel. So that becomes a, a very dangerous thing uh, when people add to the gospel, whether mm-hmm. that's you know, different religions or that's just in our own local church, uh, some sort it's of custom that we've held on to a little yep. bit too much. Yep. We find it not just in those that are outside of the body of Christ, but inside too, because they think they're going to be saved by their good works, and the works yeah. have already been done. It's just so sad. Uh, okay, we have less than a minute left, so uh, 30 seconds. So I think I'm just going to have to close the program. Let me mention again my guest, Andrew Jones. He's the author of 10 Questions to Ask Every Time You Read the Bible. This is Kay Meyer of Family Shield, and we've been talking about his book, and I encourage our listeners to pick a copy up and uh, continue to listen to Family Shield. Uh, learn more about Family Shield on our website www.familyshieldministries.org Thank you for listening. God bless your day. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Thank you.